Welcome back to the VC Buckets Podcast. My name is Matt Gall, and I'm joined here, as always, by head coach of the Briarcliff University men's basketball team, Mark Sfigera. Mark, how you been? Great, Matt. How about yourself? Not too bad. I see some activity down on the court today. We're sitting in your office, as we always do, overlooking Rainacki Court here at the Newman Flanagan Center. And it looks like some of the women's players are down there getting warmed up for games, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But those get going in just over a week. Yeah, Time's flown by a little bit, to be honest with you. You know, as we sit here today, we're eight days away from our opener on the road up at presentation. And, you know, the last couple weeks, we've had a couple scrimmages to help prepare ourselves, get ready for that. And, you know, when we play these scrimmages, it's been a good deal for us. You know, it gives us a chance to to have a competitive setting, a game-like setting. We have officials and scores table and, and scoreboard and all that. Um, you know, it gives us a chance to replicate that a little bit. It's not the same, you know, the intensity, you just can't replicate that. But we really talk to our guys about competing and making sure when we have those opportunities, we take the, or make the most of them. And so it's been really good for us the last couple of weeks. We've scrimmaged two different teams, um, two very different styles, you know, and, and honestly, that's probably the best thing that comes from these scrimmages in the preseason is, is we play against a different style than what we're used to. And I think that's so good because right now, you know, we're pretty decent at guarding ourselves and we're pretty decent at playing against our own defense. But when you have to do something completely different, especially with no scouting report, it, it kind of forces the guys and, and us as coaches to adjust on the fly a little bit. So we'll get into practice and getting prepared for the upcoming game schedule here in a little bit. But you gave me a mug of coffee when I walked into your office today and I saw you grab one of those K-cups out of your drawer. What's the assortment look like of coffee flavors that you have here in your office? Well, it depends on the week what you're going to get. And I'll be real honest with you. Well, first I should say there's some people that would tell you I may have a bit of a coffee problem. I'm not one of those people, but some of our players might beg to differ. And for some reason, our guys love talking about it. And they love asking me how many cups of coffee I've had in a day. And the reality is I don't keep track. You know, if I want a cup of coffee, I have a cup of coffee. And if I don't, I don't. And, you know, that's it. Are you one uh, of those people that will drink a cup of coffee right before bed? Or do you have to cut it off? Not that late. Um, you know, there has been a couple times here in the last few weeks where we've had a 7 o'clock practice or we've started film at 7 and 6.15. I just brewed one more cup before practice. Um, but it's not a – it's not something where I had I just chain drink coffee all day long. You know, some days it is probably, but most days it's not. And I, you know, I don't have to have five, six cups of coffee in a day by any stretch. So, you mentioned on an earlier podcast that you're kind of a quote unquote foodie. So does that carry over into coffee? Do you have a particular taste? It does. I I would say I'm a little bit of a coffee snob. Um, you know, I I'm not real keen on just a old school pot of Folgers or Maxwell House. And, you know, I kind of associate that with my grandma. My grandma always had <laughs> Folgers coffee. At the time, I was a little kid. I thought it smelled great, but I tasted it once and thought it was terrible. And uh, I didn't start drinking coffee till I was 25. And the rest is kind of history at this point. But I, I do like a good cup of coffee. And I think there's a difference between, you know, a cup from Starbucks and something you brew your own, you know, Folgers or Maxwell House that you brew on your own. So are you one of those people where you have to make it well known that you have a more sophisticated taste in coffee than somebody else? Because that's, that's where I start to have a little bit of a philosophical problem with people who look down their nose and decide that 
the the flavored dirt water that I'm drinking has some inferior quality than the flavored dirt water that you're drinking? Or is it just simply that you have a, a preference and taste in certain brands or flavors? No, it, it's more a preference thing for me. And the reality is if you put a cup of coffee in front of me, I'm probably going to drink it, you know, so long as it's black. I, I don't do cream or sugar or anything like that. You know, but I'll, I'll drink a $4 cup of coffee from a coffee shop, but I'll also drink, you know, a couple cups of hotel coffee at the breakfast bar in the morning when we're on the road. And, you know, it gets the job done still. It's just not what I would choose if I had the choice. The hotel coffee, there's a lot of utility to it, especially uh, when you got two little kids and they have a hard time sleeping in a hotel room. There's been some times where I'll slam down three or four cups or whatever that is they leave out by the reception desk right with the the stale cookies that they put out there yeah it gets the job done and you know a quick side story that some of our former players will appreciate i think um there was one time where i probably overdid it drinking coffee on the road it was uh it was the 15 16 season so this year this got this year's current seniors were freshmen on that team so it was eric erdman and jay wolf and and jeff dobinton were all on that team and we were playing out in Hastings on a Saturday afternoon. We'd gone out Friday night, stayed in the hotel, and, and we had a shoot-around in the morning. To make a long story short, I had breakfast with an old friend of mine. You know, A lot of people know I coached at Hastings for a couple of years, so I know some people out there. Um, and so I had breakfast with a friend of mine and kind of just ended up drinking coffee nonstop from about 5.30 a.m. till about 10.30 when we left for shoot-around. I was bouncing off the wall a little bit, and uh, I may or may not have – been running sprints and shooting three pointers <laughs> on the on the Hastings College floor while the guys were getting their shoes on and stretched for shoot around, and uh, I've I've taken a lot of grief for that over the years. But that was kind of an outlier situation. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate the free cup of swill. I probably got the bottom of the drawer cheap stuff that you just no. Right at. now we, we've got some donut shop blend and we we have some Starbucks dark roast blend. That stuff's pretty intense actually. Okay. But, um, yep. You know, it's, it's, it's whatever's on sale in the K-Cups. I, I'm not enough, a big enough snob to have one particular brand or, or anything like that. So you're probably going to be switching from early morning coffee here pretty soon uh, to uh, just a lot of late night coffee as you get into games and you get into late trips home and, and uh, those sorts of things. And you already talked about a couple scrimmages that you guys have had. Um, you know, you're obviously still uh, – in practice kind of fine-tuning things for the first week of games which is coming up like you said in in about a week uh so how do you you know manage your own energy and your own uh, gas tank to make sure you have what it takes as a coach to get through a long season well to be real honest it's it's one of those things where i i love what i do and it makes it easy you know certainly there's probably times where i'm lacking sleep um you know and maybe having an extra cup of coffee on those days you know, at the same time, I've always kind of been a person that didn't need a ton of sleep. You know, and that goes back to my parents would tell you when I was a little kid, I was up early. And, you know, so it's not that big of a deal to me. But like I said, it's it's a passion for, for what we're doing. And, you know, at the end of the day, I want to make sure as the head coach, I'm putting our guys in the best possible situation so they can have success. And so when it comes down to it, yeah, that's stressful at times. But at the same time, it's pretty awesome because I want to make sure we're doing everything we can to be as good as we can be so coach you mentioned you've had a couple of scrimmages in the last week or two how did those go Uh, what did you see that you liked what are some things you saw that you thought you needed to get some more work on and and how's practice going in general 
Well, like I already mentioned, you know, these scrimmages are great opportunities for us to compete. Um, and as much as we, we get pretty competitive with our practices on a day-to-day basis, but sometimes you kind of get sick of going against the same guy or same group of guys every single day, and it's just good to see somebody else, a different style. And, and so that's been really good for us. And there, there were some really good things that came from our scrimmages. Um, at this point, I would say our offense is, is further along than our defense is, and that's a continuing process for us. And, and anybody who's watched us play the last few years knows we've, we've been pretty offensive-oriented and we, we've shot a lot of threes, and I don't foresee that changing a whole lot this year. You know, but what we keep trying to stress to the guys is that there's going to come a time where we're going to have an off night and we're going we're to struggle from the field. We're going to struggle from the three-point line. And we need to be able to rely on our defense a little bit more than maybe what we could right now if we had to play a game tonight. And so that's going to be a big emphasis for us here over the next five, six days as we prepare to, to start the season, just making sure we're a little more consistent. That's probably the biggest problem we're having with our defense. It's not that we're not capable. Of, of being real solid defensively it's just that we're going too many peaks and valleys of really good for about two minutes really bad for about two minutes really good for about three minutes really bad for five minutes mm-hmm. you know and so we need to strive for that consistency and I think that's the same thing offensively too where when we've been good we've been really good in these scrimmages and when we've not been as good you know we get a little impatient and we don't maybe get the best shot we could get and and again it's just something we try to emphasize with the guys and at the end of the day we want them to play free and we want them to have a lot of opportunities within the offense but we also want to make sure we get great shots and we want to put pressure on the defense and and be really hard to guard and not always just settle for the first three that comes our way so these scrimmages you know when we film them and it gives us a chance to to watch it with the players you know we'll watch film as a team this afternoon and and I watch film individually with a lot of the guys after all of these scrimmages just point out little things a lot of its minute details that are tiny things but in the grand scheme of it over a long season those minute details are sometimes the difference between winning and losing games and so if we can take care of some of that now that's a good thing for us down the road in a little bit we're going to talk about some of the underclassmen last week or on the last podcast we talked about the uh, upperclassmen on the roster we're going to talk about the underclassmen uh, here one by one but before that how how do you feel like some of those guys because anyone who was at the alumni game a couple of weeks ago saw that there are some uh, some underclassmen and some freshmen who are probably gonna gonna have a chance to get in and do some things so how's it been getting those guys into the mix and what have you seen now that they've seen some actual uh, competition outside of our own gym well you know I think we have pretty talented underclassmen you know between our sophomores and and freshmen on the varsity roster in particular um there's some talented kids in there and some of those names and we'll talk about them you know people will remember from last year some of these sophomores Ethan Friedel and and Austin Ropeman played a big role each of them did last year for us you know and now we've added a couple more sophomores to that on this year's team and and actually five freshmen on the varsity roster as well and I, I like where they're at. You know, when you're a freshman in college basketball, there's a big adjustment, you know, and it's not the same for everybody. For some people, it's the physical nature of the game. For some people, it's the speed of the game. For some people, it's the wealth of information you're getting that's probably more than you ever have before. And, and as you start to figure that out, you get a little more comfortable. Um, things become a lot easier for you at that point. And, and our freshmen right now are fortunate that our upperclassmen are really good, and we have some great leadership and some guys on our, our – team that are players 
that can that can coach these younger guys a little bit and and obviously you know our assistant coaches do a great job working with our guys whether it's one-on-one whether it's talking to them when they're off the floor in practice or in a game um but sometimes i think when that comes from other players it's so much more powerful and and our upperclassmen do a great job and so it's you can see they're starting to to blend together a little bit and it's a it's an ongoing process but i like where we're at right now when it comes to that so let's get into some of those guys specifically uh, and we'll start with the sophomores on the roster and we'll start with will johnson uh, out of harrisburg south dakota tell us about will will's a tough kid and an incredibly competitive kid um very sarcastic and a bit of a trash talker um so he and i get along pretty well because of that um but will to give you an example of will's toughness will actually broke his nose in practice a couple weeks ago and was kind of chomping at the bit to get back you know he still has to wear a face mask currently and he's i think he's finally adjusted to that but he's a guy that he makes our practices competitive you know he's he's gonna try to irritate people um he's gonna run his mouth like crazy he's not gonna back down from anybody and having guys like that it's a good thing for a team to have a will johnson on there and he's a guy you know, he played on the junior varsity a year ago, and he had a great summer and put himself in a position to, to move up to the varsity level. And, you know, so far he's doing a great job for us. Then we got another guy from southeast South Dakota who uh, anyone who attended some games last year definitely saw uh, Ethan Friedel on the court and saw him play. Uh, definitely like somebody who's had some experience, especially up at the national tournament, that game where he had, I think, 25 points uh, off the bench in front of the home crowd, just showed a lot of maturity and a lot of guts to go out there and, and play like that. And he played like that the whole year. Yeah, Ethan, you know, the the thing to say about him is he has no fear of the moment. Um, he has no fear of taking a tough shot or the big shot. Um, and as a freshman last year, about this time was when he started to emerge a little bit you know it took him a little bit to settle in to what we were doing on both sides of the ball but from day one last year and talking games you know he was in our rotation um, and started off maybe as the eighth ninth man somewhere in that but that at, by the end of the year he was he was our sixth man playing starter like minutes and he's a volatile scorer you know he has a unique ability to get shots off you know and that sounds funny like just to shoot it's not a a skill it is though in my opinion he can get shots off and he can get tough shots off and he can make those tough shots you know sometimes to a fault um but he's the ultimate heat check player and uh when he gets it going look out because he's probably going to score a ton and and he's in a great spot right now he's really refined some things in his game um and he still has that ability to to get buckets so we're excited for him to have a big sophomore year i think with a lot of these guys Briarcliff has been notoriously known for shooting a lot of threes, but I don't think a lot of these guys get credit for their ability to get open shots, you know, within 10 to 15 feet and their ability to cut on the baseline and find ways to get open, you know, despite physical mismatches that some of these guys have had. And I think Ethan's one of those guys where, you know, I noticed a lot of things he did too that didn't necessarily just happen outside the three-point line. Yeah, and, and Ethan, you know, he'd be the first to tell you he's not going to win an athleticism contest with a lot of people. Um, but he's a really smart player. He knows how to position himself. He knows how to move and cut when other guys are driving to get himself open to get some of those shots that you're talking about. And what he's really done this year is he's kind of refined his off-the-dribble game a little bit more where last year he had the tendency to force things um, a little bit. And this year he's been way better 
um, been more willing to, to give the ball up and get it back and, and set himself up a second time to get the ball instead of trying to make something happen the first touch every time. Uh, next, we have Austin Roteman, who's a 6'8 sophomore out of Pocahontas, Iowa. Yeah, Austin, obviously, you know, he was our backup post player a year ago um, and had a great freshman year. You know, had some really big games, had some had some not-so-good games, as all freshmen do. You know, and Austin, he's a guy, he's a dependable scorer around the basket. He's got a really nice touch. He has the ability to step out and shoot threes, um, which is a good thing for a five-man because, you know, a lot of big guys aren't used to guarding out there. And so when they have to come out there, it, it opens things up for our offense a little bit. Um, Austin's improving as a defender. That, that's been a huge thing for him. Um, and we kind of threw him in the fire last year as a freshman and a big guy, you're involved in a lot of different situations, whether it's ball screen defense, whether it's one-on-one -on -one post defense, rebounding, helping, all those things. And, you know, at times as a freshman, he probably struggled with that, and he's gotten a lot better. And, and uh, you know, he's another guy. We're kind of poised for him to have a, a, a huge sophomore year now. There was a game, speaking of the national tournament last year, uh, there was a, it might have been the, the very first game you guys played. It was a fairly close game, and we could not buy a rebound, it felt like. We're yeah, it was, the, it was the Oregon Tech game, game opening yep. round. Yep, and uh, you know he came in, and I think he had three or four huge rebounds when when we couldn't get. He did, and he made going. a couple huge free throws when he got fouled on those rebounds yeah. down the stretch, where you know we were starting to maybe pull away a little bit, but not quite, and we needed some points, and uh, and he got them for us in that game too. You know, we had tweaked our our ball screen defense. They had an All American point guard who was really really good, and they ran a lot of on ball screens for him. And we decided we were going to trap him. And, and that's hard to do. That puts a lot of pressure on, on a big guy who's not as laterally quick as a point guard is. Um, and, and Austin, when he was in the game, he did an unbelievable job of it. And, and we really were able to stymie their guard in that game. And, and you know, he was a, a big part of that. And then the fourth sophomore on the roster here is Landon Tornaton out of Council Bluffs, Iowa. Landon's a, a pretty gifted athlete. You know, he's another guy that has an ability to get shots off. Um, and he's, he's really progressed from freshman year um, when he was not in our rotation um, to this year where, you know, we'll wait and see what's going to happen. But he's, he's got some real skill to him. He's long. He's athletic. Um, I think the ceiling is high for him over the next three years. And so it's going to be exciting to watch him continue to grow and, and keep getting better. Okay, so that's our sophomore. So let's talk about the freshman class coming in and uh, we talked about you know some kids from uh, Northwest Iowa, from Sheldon. That's where I'm from. So I know we talked about the ORAB nickname. So why don't we start right off the bat with a couple of ORABs who are on the roster for you this year, and, and we'll start with Jaden Klein-Hesslink. Yeah, Jaden, you know, he's another guy. He's a tough kid. He's a tough competitor. Um, to give you an example, Jaden had a pretty severe finger injury at senior high school, with, and it was a weightlifting accident. It really messed up one of his fingers on his shooting slash throwing hand. He was the quarterback on their football team, and it happened during football season. And they projected him to be out for the rest of the season. He ended up coming back and playing a couple games. Um, but he's a competitor. He can really shoot the ball. He's just a good fit for how we play. He's a smart guard. He can shoot it. Um, he can make some plays off the dribble and off of a ball screen. And I think he's going to eventually become a really, really good defender. The other guy out of Sheldon. Kyle Borhave, 6'6", six, six, uh, freshman from Ashton, Iowa. Yeah, Kyle, you know, he's a, a strong athletic kid. He's 6'6", six, six, but he's about 220 pounds, and it's, it's a good frame of 220. Um, you know, so I think from a 
body composition standpoint, he's probably ahead of some freshman. Um, and he's a good athlete. Again, a tough kid. He's got a versatile skill set. You know, he has some inside to his game. He has some outside to his game. He's another one that I think eventually is going to be a really good defender because of that athleticism and versatility. Um, and already in a couple of our scrimmages, he's had a couple pretty thunderous dunks. So I think at some point our, our home crowd is going to enjoy watching him. Uh, next we got Jake Carley. And Carley's a name that might be familiar to some folks who follow Briarcliff uh, basketball. Yeah, so Jake's a you know freshman out of Council Bluffs. Um, his sister Alyssa is a junior on the women's basketball team. And, uh, you know, Jake's a guy that he's made some huge strides here in the first four or five weeks of the season in practice. Um, he's really starting to figure it out. He's going to be a tough defender. He's a real competitive kid, can shoot the ball a little bit, just has a really solid, versatile game. Um, and he's a guy that I think, again, over the next few years, as he continues to develop, he's going to be a really nice player for us. And so we're, we're excited about him. And, uh, you know, it never hurts when a sibling of somebody we're recruiting is already at Briarcliff and, and they can help us recruit that sibling. You know, they have more inside information than we're ever going to get when it comes to recruiting. So it, Alyssa being here definitely helped us get Jake. For sure. Uh, next we have Quentin Vassa, freshman, 6'8 freshman from Nebraska City, Nebraska. Yeah, uh, Q, Q can really shoot the rock. He's a talented kid. Um, you know, again, he's 6'8. He's really not a big guy in terms of you know playing with his back to the basket he has a long wingspan um he can do a lot of different things right now he's really been shooting the ball well for us though um, and i think that's going to be a huge plus for him but i do think as much as he's not a big guy eventually as he kind of gets a little bit bigger a little bit stronger you know he's going to have the ability to play inside play outside and create some matchup problems which is a good thing when you have that kind of versatility um and he, he's a really smart kid and a really smart player and, uh, you know, he's, he's doing really well for us right now, too. And then last but not least, uh, Sammy Green, a 5'11 freshman out of Alton, Illinois, went to Marquette Catholic High School. Yeah, so, you know, Sammy's kind of the outlier here. Um, he's a little bit out of the region of the rest of our players, and it's actually – there's a reason for that. You know, we've known about Sammy for, for quite a while. His parents are actually both Briarcliff alums. His dad played baseball here. His mom played volleyball here. And uh, we had known about Sammy just through his parents. And uh, Sammy's a very high IQ basketball player, um, kind of an old school, true, natural point guard, great vision, can throw some pretty amazing passes. Um, and he's also a really good three-point shooter. Um, and he's actually, you know, he was dealing with a, a little bit of a knee bruise that kind of kept him out for some of the preseason stuff. So he's just kind of getting back into conditioning and, and starting to, figure some things out that we're doing and and i think he's progressing at a nice rate but he's he'll be fun to watch over the next few years when we talked about the upperclassmen on the last podcast we talked about how you know how much growth some of those guys uh, have had since their freshman year just getting smarter with the game and getting developing their skills and getting better uh what kind of growth do you expect to see from freshman year to sophomore year well i think a lot of it is in your mentality and how you approach things. Um, you know, as a freshman, you're just trying to figure it all out. And as a sophomore, at that point, you should have an understanding of what's going on and, and what we're trying to do offensively, defensively, you know, what our expectations are in the program. And then I think you can be a little more deliberate in how you work and how you get your extra shots up and, 
you know, what you're doing with your downtime and your nutrition and all those things. And, and I think freshmen make all kinds of mistakes. I mean, every single day you make a ton of mistakes. We expect to see our sophomores make a heck of a lot less mistakes, I guess, is the stupid, dumb answer. But, um, you know, and that's where this year I, I think we have a great class of sophomores and they've progressed together and, and, you know, put themselves in a good spot to a year from now take on an even bigger leadership role within the program. So that rounds out the varsity roster for the upcoming season. But, you know, we've always had a really strong junior varsity program too. And a lot of guys who've come through the program and who've gone on to contribute in a lot of ways at the varsity level got their start or developed some skills at the JV level. So talk about the JV roster this year and what you're expecting out of those guys. Yeah, you know, I'll just reiterate what I already said. It's it's a it's a heavy freshman oriented team we have a couple sophomores on there but a lot of the junior varsity players are freshmen um, and, and I'll just say what I've said about the other groups it's a talented group you know and, and the depth we've been able to have in our program has made a huge difference you know and even some of these guys maybe they're not quite ready to to contribute at the varsity level they're still good players and they're learning and they're going to get better and, and you said it best Matt we've had a ton of guys over the last really seven, eight years that I've been at Briarcliff that have developed on the JV team and, and grown into a role on the varsity and, you know, on, on all kinds of different levels, you know. And, and the reality, you look at our entire roster, varsity and junior varsity together, the majority of our players have played junior varsity at some point. You know, it, it's hard to play as a freshman in the GPAC. Um, and so it's been a great development tool for us. I could give you all kinds of examples, but you look look no further than our assistant coach, Jake Shipley. You know, he played JV as a freshman, and as a sophomore was a first-team All-GPAC player. As a junior was a first-team All-American, you know, and everybody's at a different spot when they come in, and some guys just need that development. And so we're excited to, to get the JV season rolling. They open up on November 8th. Um, they play about a 20-game schedule, and uh, we'll be very guard-heavy, no doubt about it. But like I said, it's a talented group, and a lot of guys – who I think are going to have really good years playing on the JV team this year. Yeah, and the JV squad will be led uh, by uh, Coach Chris Davis this year. Yeah, Coach Davis is our is our grad assistant, um, been with us for a couple months now, um, and he's doing a great job. He He's really pushing those guys and, and trying to prepare them for the season that, that lies ahead. And so we're, we're excited to have Coach Davis with, uh, with us, and uh, I think our guys have really taken to him, and he's doing a great job. Yeah, make sure if, if you get a chance to get up to the gym to watch some of those uh, games and support those JV guys because it's, it's good basketball. And, you know, those are guys who, you know, have a chance to uh, really grow and, and work into the roster, and those are names, you know, that you might see down the road. So support those guys uh, as much as you can. They'd love to have you. So we just had a nice surprise here. Special guest just walked into the basketball offices to grace us with his presence. Now assistant coach – Austin Leffler, former player with the program. We've talked about him a little bit on the podcast, and, and now he's uh, back on campus as an assistant coach with the basketball program, and he's joining us here today for the podcast. Austin, how you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So how, what's it like you know, being on campus now in a, in a capacity as a coach where you're here leading guys and holding guys accountable? And I know you probably did that as a leader on the team too, but it's it's got to be a different – dynamic now that you're here coaching so what's the experience been like so far yeah you know it has been a little different um 
And I noticed it right away because, you know, the first practice or open gym, you know, that I was here, I had a couple of guys come up and say, you know, hey, do I got to call you coach now? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're dang right you do. Um, yeah, you know, it, it is, you know, having them refer to you as that or, you know, look up to you as a coach now instead of, like, kind of a player who, you know, you're competing with every day, you know, different things like that. It is different. It's, you know, on the coaching side of it, you're able to see so much more go on. You know, because as a player, like, you're in the game. Yeah, you can feel the flow of the game. You know, you can see things here and there. But, you know, sometimes you have your back to part of the play where, you know, as a coach, you're on that sideline. You know, during practice, I'm able to walk around and I can see, you know, different areas that those guys may not be noticing, you know, and I can, you know, help them, you know, pull them off to the side, say, hey, you know, I think you can be doing this. This was happening here. You know, you should have done this or, you know, things like that where, you know, as a player, you may not be able to, you know, get all that vision or, you know, whatever you want to call it. So, Coach, how's Austin been doing so far? Well, he does a great job. And, uh, you know, Austin, he brings such a unique perspective, you know, where he is he's young enough and enough of the guys knew him as a player. So his street cred with our guys is through the roof. You know, Austin was a dude here. And, you know, probably a little underappreciated, to be honest with you. But Austin was a thousand-point scorer. He's in the top five in three-pointers made, um, you know, top five in games played in his career. I mean, he he was a three-year starter. You know, was hampered a little bit as a senior with with some knee problems, but he was a huge part of three really really good teams here. Um, and so, what I'm getting to is, he probably knows the bulk of our system better than anybody in the program because he played it for four years. And as much as we make changes every year, but a lot of the overriding principles we use have been the same since Austin started playing here. And so, that perspective gives him the opportunity to talk to guys one-on-one and he's really good when a guy comes out of a drill or out of a a quick scrimmage in practice just grabbing them and and maybe giving them some quick pointers that I don't even use or or other coaches don't use that we might have used three four years ago that he still remembers and so you know it was a great thing for us to get coach Leffler back on staff and get him just keep him involved with Briarcliff basketball. So coach Leffler you know I'm thinking back to one of the more memorable shots uh, of your career and I believe it was against Hastings you ended the game with a a buzzer beater to win it take us back to that moment what was that what was that like to make that shot uh it was actually my first buzzer beater I had ever hit in my career um you know in a game that really meant something you know not going back to like the second grade YMCA days um but if I remember right you know we were trailing Hastings I think most of that game um I think with like a couple minutes left, we were down by like 10 or 12 or something like that. And, you know, we started kind of playing the foul game. Things worked out nicely. You know, they missed some free throws. We came down, got some buckets. And a really weird thing, I remember sitting, we had a timeout. Um, I don't know if there's maybe about 45 seconds left or something like that. And I kind of remember sitting on the bench and I just, I had a weird feeling. Like I wasn't nervous or thinking we were going to lose the game. I, I had a weird confidence that we were just going to win the game. We were down by like four or six at the time. And, you know, so we keep playing. They missed some free throws, like I said. We get the ball, and it was – we were down two, I believe, right? And um, I think Coach Nelson pretty much just drew up the play. You know, Shane bringing the ball down court, trying to make a play, and I, me and Clay were both in a corner. And, you know, he said, hey, if you can't – you know, if you can't get, you know, any wiggle room, get to the basket, you got two guys in the corners coming up. I remember seeing Shane kind of dribble my way, and I'm like, all right, here we go. 
Um, so I rose up a little bit. Shane made a nice little pitch back. Um, gave the kid a quick pump fake and got him in the air. And I think I got that thing off with maybe, I don't even, the second it left my hand, it the buzzer went off. Um, and yeah, I, the second, you know, I let go of it, I knew it was in. I remember sitting there holding, <laughs> holding the, you know, holding my pose at the end. Um, and right when I saw it went through, I just looked over at Shane. I just remember screaming probably as loud as I ever have before. Um, because, you know, that, I think that was a big win for us, at, you know, that with us being so young at the time, you know, in that year, the year before, our freshman year, you know, we had a lot of lumps. You know, we were 16 and 15, mm-hmm. lost a lot of close games. And, you know, I think that kind of was our, you know, we kind of felt after a game like that that, hey, you know, we've, you know, we can kind of overcome that stuff now. You know, we we can handle, we've been in these situations, you know, and we went on that year and went to the national tournament. And, you know, the couple years down the road after that's everyone kind of knows about yeah. that, I guess. Yeah, that year was a turn the page year for the program. And, um, you know, I think if it weren't for Ben Sitzman's wild uh, half court, I think it was a halftime buzzer beater shot. I don't remember what game that it was. It was. I know what you're talking about, but you're, you're predating me. Oh, has it been that yeah, long? It's been a while. Oh, wow. I was no, going to say. I, I, I only had the privilege of coaching Sitz his senior year. Okay. I was going to say, uh, Leffler, your buzzer beater shot would by far be one of the more memorable uh, shots of the last uh, 10, 15 years. And it's up there, but the Sitzman buzzer beater shot, where he basically got the ball at half court, turned around, and just chucked it. Yeah, if Sitzman's making threes, period, there's probably some element of <laughs> luck involved. Let's be honest. Yeah, so if I, that might be out on YouTube somewhere. So both those shots might be out there. So uh, go out and, and find those if you can. But, uh, you know, there's been a lot of memorable games and shots in this gym. And, you know, as a coach now, you're going to have an opportunity to – uh, continue to participate in those, granted, in a different capacity. Do you have to tone it down with running on the court and going crazy now? that Do you have to hold the emotion back a little bit, I guess? Or? Uh, 100%. I was actually in our scrimmage yesterday um, sitting there, and things kind of got heated a little bit during it. And, you know, the game was going up and down, and people were complaining for fouls. And, you know, it was one of those moments. And I was sitting there next to Coach Davis, and I'm, I told him, I was like, I'm about to start, you know, as a player going out, you know, he's – whether you're talking crap or, you know, whatever, you're just getting really fired up. I'm like, wow, I got to make sure I you – know, I'm in a different position now. I got to make sure I chill out and, you know, try to keep the guys calm, keep their heads straight, you know, when the things go bad is like, you know, the coaches did for us when we would get in a situation like that. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a little bit different, you know, in that because I'm still a competitor. You know, I'll, I'll play with the guys, you know, in a pickup game somewhere and, like, still don't ever want to lose those games, you know. So I got to make sure I'm – keeping my emotions in check in some situations so yeah I, I can't imagine it's got to be hard to do it's tough for us like I said at this like I've said before at the scores table and I'm supposed to be an official of the game I believe as a scorekeeper so I'm I'm 100% neutral <laughs> in my capacity of, of doing my job but sometimes it's hard not to flip the table halfway on the court either in excitement or in in anger depending on what's going on so as a guest, one thing we are starting to do here is kind of a, a lightning round where we're going to ask you some questions and we need you to answer just with the first thing that uh, pops into your head. And we'll stick with some of the same questions that we asked uh, one of our former guests uh, who was on the show, Eric Erdman. So if you listen to that podcast, you probably know what's coming. Uh, but if not, then hopefully we can catch you off guard a little bit here. So we'll just start uh, with an easy one. What's your favorite basketball movie? Favorite basketball movie? Um, I was a big fan of Glory Road when that came out. 
Um, you know, there's so many to pick from, but, you know, watching that and just kind of the overall storyline or, you know, the, the impact that that just had on college basketball in general, you know, was that movie was a lot more, there was a lot more than just basketball in it. And I kind of, you know, that kind of got me into that movie. You know, it's not just so much watching people play. It's, it's got a bigger, a bigger storyline behind it. Definitely. Yeah. I, it's a great movie. It's one I just watched not too long ago, uh, but I have a, a little bit of a personal problem with any movie where the main team is portrayed as beating my Hawkeyes in something. So Glory Road's one of those movies, and I think The Water Boy, I think uh, Bobby Boucher <laughs> took care of my Hawkeyes uh, in that game as well. But um, no, definitely a, a great movie. Best warm-up song of all time. I'm going to have to, and I, I'm sure a lot of people will say it, Rave On. Um, you know, the, the first year we did it was that my junior year, I believe, um, yeah, with a 50th, our 50th anniversary year. We always played it right at the end, you know, like the last three minutes or whatever of warm-ups. And it just seemed to get the whole crowd into it. You know, everyone's clapping for it. Um, and it obviously had a, a meaning behind, you know, playing that song. So I don't know, for whatever reason, it wasn't, it's not one of the songs you think is going to get you, you know, kind of going, but it just did. And it was, you know, I kind of stuck at still doing it at the end of each warm-up today, right? That's correct. You know, it, it, it's, it's awesome how our players have embraced that. You know, there's a lot of history behind that in the Flanagan Center dating back to Coach Naki. As, as far as I understand, in the late 80s, they started playing it, and, and this place would go nuts when the song started coming on. And, and the way our guys have embraced that, like Austin said, you know, we started that his junior year, so this will be our fourth year using that. We usually play it at about three-minute mark of warm-ups, and the crowd starts going a little crazy. Um, and this year, our guys actually had on our shooting shirts the words "Rave On." That's what's on the front of our shooting shirts. It's just kind of a a rallying cry, or you know, whatever you want to call it, um, for our team. And it's it's pretty cool to see that the guys embrace the history of the program like that. So it's actually taken out of the rotation for a few years, and then and then uh, brought back. Is that right? As far as I understand, and that's you know. When we have Coach Schultz on as a guest, you know he'll be able to talk to some of the history of the song and and when it started and when it was gone and when it came back and all that. But um, yeah, it was it was definitely gone for a while. And um, that year was the 50th anniversary of the program, and and obviously Coach Naki had been a big part of that. Um, and it was also it, it coincided. Coach Naki actually passed away that fall, and uh, you know we were trying to do everything we could to you know honor Coach Naki that year. And we had his name on shooting shirts, and the, and the guys were all into Rave On. And, you know, it just kind of worked out that it was the perfect time for it. Uh, Austin, how about your favorite pre- and post-game meals? Pre-game, going to seem a little goofy probably because um, we don't have one around here anymore, but I was always a big fan of when we stopped at Quiznos. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, we don't have the opportunity to do that a lot here. Um, so when we – I think it was is it Hastings that we usually stopped at one there. Yeah, so there's actually two G-Pack cities left with a Quiznos, uh, Hastings and Mitchell. And so that's, that's always a good treat for the guys. And, and i got to agree with Austin here. Quiznos is like my favorite sub shop of all time. This is kind of a fun one. Uh, and Eric set a high bar on this one. Eric Erdman set a high bar. But what is your best impersonation of Coach Figuera? Uh, an impersonation for this one, I mean, it's, it'd be more of me having to do some actions, I guess, for it. Um, I mean, I guess I'll just kind of explain how it would go would be the best way to do it. But as a player, you know, whenever he would uh, get upset at, you know, 
us, you know, in a drill or in a game or whatever it was, the, uh, the yelling at us while staring over in the corner of the floor, you know, <laughs> 90 feet away, uh, was always a little bit awkward, um, you know, and at first, <laughs> I think when we first came in as freshmen, we kind of noticed it. I remember kind of joking around with Shane about it. Like, why is he not looking at us when he's yelling at us? He's kind of looking the total opposite way down at the ground. But he obviously was getting, you know, he's getting his point across. Um, we knew what he was trying to do, but that was always goofy. And then another one, which uh, I don't think I've let him live down to this day, was the uh, floor punch at Bellevue my <laughs> senior, senior year. We were struggling a little bit, and we come into a timeout, and he just kind of takes over. You know, Coach Nelson, I think, was getting ready to say something, and Coach Figueroa just kind of comes in and starts reaming us about, you know, whatever was going on, and he just wound up and smoked the floor. And I remember kind of sitting there thinking, like, is he going to be okay? Like, he hit it <laughs> the hard. The floor usually wins those. Right, and I, I still think he broke his knuckle to this day. He keeps denying it. He's shaking his head right now. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to deny that this happened because there was too many witnesses. And, and it did. I, I, I punched the floor. It's a mistake because you're right, Matt. The floor always wins that battle. You know, even if you tie, you still lose in that matchup. Um, and, and what happened, we were not having a great game. It just wasn't going well. As the first half, we'd used a majority of our timeouts already. And Coach Nelson kind of gave me a look, and I interpreted that as, I need to commandeer this timeout. <laughs> and so I kind of boxed him out, and, uh, and I, was, I was in a baseball catcher s- squat in front of the team. And I couldn't even tell you what I was actually saying, but I did. I wound up and punched the floor pretty hard. Thought nothing of it at the time. And, and at halftime, I always fist bump the guys when they're coming out of the locker room. And, and it was actually Austin and Shane Graves that, that kind of came by me and gave me a funny look and, like, barely made contact with my hand. And, again, I thought nothing of it. And, and after the game, we had lost. It was a bad loss. Um, but we were leaving, and, and Coach and I were the last two out of the gym. And it kind of hit me right then. You know, my, my hand kind of hurts. And so I, I was kind of flexing it, looking at it. And Nick just said to me, he's like, dude, do you know how hard you hit the floor in that timeout in the first half? And, and I really didn't think about it. So I, I, true story, I went in and saw our athletic trainers the next day, and, and it was not broken heavily bruised and swollen for a while but um you know the moral of the story is i haven't done it since because i don't want to go through that again lesson learned right? my my wife's not a big fan of when i do things like that so i heard about that one at home too yeah i bet uh, and then the last question we'll ask you is, is the most memorable game you played at Briarcliff? man that's a tough one because there i mean there is a lot um i think i, I would just have to go with you know a, a junior year game I'm going to have to say one of our Nebraska Wesleyan games, they're kind of both out there. The 50-year anniversary was awesome because, one, the, you know, the amount of people that were here, the amount of alumni that were back for that, you know, celebrating the 50 years, just the atmosphere was amazing. And it doesn't hurt that we whooped Nebraska Wesleyan by, like, 40 that game. So that was always good. And then the other one was the conference championship game against Nebraska Wesleyan. You know, in high school, I never won a conference tournament championship you know we had won the regular season ones so that was actually kind of my first like you know playing our way through a tournament and getting that win you know um that one just felt awesome and you know that was our last game before we went to the national tournament so you know we had got you know we were feeling real good going in um you know we went down to uh Branson you know so I'd say those two games are up there 
Um, again, there's so many to pick from, you know, but those are two just, you know, right off the top of my head that I can, that, you know, I don't think I'll ever forget those kind of games. Well, Austin, thanks a lot for uh, joining us today. It's great to have, you know, any guests on the podcast, but certainly one who's played with the program and now is, is helping to lead the program as a coach. You know, it's awesome to have you back uh, here on campus, and we look forward to seeing you and the rest of the coaching staff see what you guys uh, can do with the squad this year. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. So now is the portion of the podcast. We're going to go into our listener uh, emails and questions, and we've got one that needs a little bit more background information, I think. So I'm going to go ahead and ask Coach Figuera. This question came from Clay Harold on Twitter. He said, will the team be eating out at the Fort Dodge Fazoli's in the foreseeable future? <laughs> well, there's definitely a backstory to this. As with pretty much all the questions we've gotten so far, here's the story. It was my second year at Briarcliff, 12-13. Clayton was a freshman on that team. Um, current assistant coach Jake Shipley was a senior on that team um, and, and it was early season we had scheduled an exhibition game at Northern Iowa you know that was a big time deal they've been a heck of a program for a long time and, and uh, they were very Iowa based in their recruiting as were we and so there's a lot of Iowa kids that knew each other it was a cool deal to go over to the McLeod Center and play and uh, we went over the night before and actually we stopped in Fort Dodge and practiced at St. Edmund High School um, John Engler was one of the seniors on the team, a St. Ed alum. Had, we'd kind of worked it out to practice there. And so we had our practice. Guys showered up. We were going to go grab some Fazoli's. Side fact, Nick Nelson loves him some Fazoli's. And we would go there anytime we could um, with the team. And, and so we go to Fazoli's, which who doesn't like Fazoli's? All you can eat breadsticks? Come on. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the service wasn't the greatest I'd ever been around in a, in a fast food restaurant. But we're all sitting there, and the, and the coaches were at one table, um, and there was a couple tables of players behind us. And uh, the lady brings out the first tray of food, and it was a tray full of fettuccine Alfredos, probably six or seven of them on one of these big trays. And uh, she put it about half on the table, and she started handing out the, the plates that were actually sitting on the table oh, no. first. And so you know where this is going. Yep, on the floor. Two plates of fettuccine Alfredo. Not on the floor. <laughs> I had my back to this situation <laughs> all over my travel gear jacket. We had literally just the day before got our Nike travel gear. It was nice stuff, really nice it stuff. It was. And yeah. I, it was. I, I had it. I had taken it off to eat. It was, it was draped on the back of my chair. And I turn, and I see it, and there's just two plates of Alfredo <laughs> all over my jacket. Oh, man. And so I, I'm, I'm fuming, you know, and I have to make a decision. Am I going to cause a scene, or am I going to roll with it a little bit? And you know, thankfully, I, I chose to, to not make a scene. But what I really remember is, one, the guy's reaction. They thought it was, like, the funniest thing ever. You know, and I, I was not thrilled visibly. And, and Coach Nelson looks over at it, sees this Alfredo all over my jacket, looks up at the waitress and says, don't worry about it. It's not that bad. <laughs> and so I, we got to the hotel in Cedar, uh, Cedar Falls later on that night. And I had to go down and clean my brand new travel gear jacket and get all the alfredo out of it thankfully it worked but it was uh it was something else and those guys to this day they won't let it die um and even on some of the current players they have no idea what really happened they just know there's something funny about me and fazoli so they still bring it up sometimes <laughs> so uh, quick answer no we will not be taking the team to fazoli's and Fort dodge this year clay that was a memorable game 
that game in uh, Cedar Falls. I made the trip out there with some buddies to. to yeah, it didn't that. go real well for the Cliff that day, but uh, you know, you and I had a really good team. I think that was a year prior to them being a Sweet 16 team, and uh, and a lot of those guys were on that team. Um, but you know, again, an unbelievable experience for our guys to be able to do something like that. Uh, so let's go into our shout out portion. Yeah, so my shout out this week, Matt, goes to uh, John and Lisa Wolf. Or our senior Jay Wolf's parents. We we had a scrimmage in in Creston, Iowa yesterday, which is Jay's hometown, and they actually fed our entire team afterwards. Um, and so shout out to them because the, I love Sloppy Joes, and they made Sloppy Joes and mac and cheese for the guys. It was legit. Shout out to the Wolf family. And I'll give a shout out to all the referees whose night schedules are going to get pretty crazy here and. You know, a lot of those guys have families at home, and, and they give up a lot of their nights to make sure that uh, high schools and colleges around this area have officials to keep those things going. So uh, next time you're at a game, any game, any level, make sure you thank those guys and don't give them too much heck from the sidelines because uh, they're doing the best they can. For sure. For sure. I agree with you, Matt. And, and I'll just send a reminder to all officials that my view from the sideline is always a little bit better. Uh, before we sign off here, one thing I did want to let everybody know about, the Bradcliffe Athletic Department will be having their winter tip-off event on Thursday the 25th uh, from 5.30 to 7 p.m. at Minerva's here in Sioux City. Again, that's Thursday the 25th from 5.30 to 7 at Minerva's. The winter tip-off is an opportunity to come out and hear from all the coaches for the winter athletic programs here at Briarcliff hear how things are going, things are progressing, ask some questions, and, and just get to know you know, any new coaches who are on staff and those sorts of things. So, so if you have some time Thursday from 5.30 to 7, make sure to stop out. Uh, this podcast is released on a Tuesday, so if you're listening to this after the 25th, uh, you missed it. But make sure to get it next year, and then there will be a spring, I believe, tee-off uh, coming up probably in February or March. Yeah, and the, these have been – a great addition to our athletic department. We do one each sports season, had one in the fall. Um, and, and if you can make it Thursday, I would highly encourage you to get out and, and meet other Charger fans. Um, if you're a fan of men's or women's basketball or wrestling um, or any Briarcliff athletics, I would, I would strongly suggest you go. And you can hear from myself, Coach Mike Power, Coach Joe Privetier, um, just kind of get an inside look at what's going on in the programs and maybe some outlooks for the year. Um, and we would love to see you there. And so this podcast has been bi-weekly up until now. Uh, we are going to start recording these weekly. So now that we're getting into the season, we want to make sure that uh, we have an opportunity to give you all a preview of upcoming games, talk about games that have already occurred. And since we're about a week away from uh, tip-off and actual game competition, we're going to start going weekly. So make sure you keep uh, finding us on Tuesdays as we release these. You can find us on uh, iTunes. Just look for BC Buckets. And, again, send in any listener questions either through Twitter or at our email address at bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to seeing those questions. So if you've got one, don't hesitate to send that in. We'd love to hear from you. That'll be it for this final biweekly edition of BC Buckets Podcast. We'll talk to you next week, and we will talk about upcoming games because, believe it or not, we're there. Take care. Take care.